What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Hello, it's Monday the 16th of October. I'm Miranda Sawyer and I just can't care about rugby. Welcome back to Paper Cuts, the modern newspaper review, where we don't take a sideways look at the news. We examine its performance under a big spotlight and give it marks out of 10 for presentation, content and, yep, star quality. And you lovely listeners have been enjoying the podcast. Molly is a dog, says it cheers her up in these trying times, which is good to hear, especially from a dog. And... After Friday's episode, where we questioned whether Radler Lager was any good, beer boffin listener Colin Baines has sent us an actual whole case of the stuff to prove that it is nice. We're testing it out right now. We're not really. (laughs) Now, here are the headlines for today's show. What a carry-on. Covid inquiry texts say that Carrie Johnson was making all the decisions. Reading, writing and roboting. School employs AI robot as deputy head. And Notting Hell, Richard Curtis admits that some of his films are a bit dodgy. Welcome to Paper Cuts. We read the papers so you don't have to. Thanks for joining us on Paper Cuts, where we'd make you a cuppa if we ever went into the office. I'm Miranda Sawyer and joining me on the show today is the critic, sketchwriter and cricket apologist, try saying that again, (laughs) Rob Hutton. Hello, Rob. Hello. Also with us is writer of Once Upon a Crime and football proponent, Fergus Craig. Hi, Fergus. Hi, guys. So what have we got on the front pages today, Rob? Um, It's Wall Gaza. Um, The the Guardian has US in last ditch effort to reduce impact of Israeli assault on Gaza with... Some horrible pictures um, Mm. on the front page. Uh, The Times has a million try to flee as invasion of Gaza looms with pictures of people fleeing. And on the side, a little story about um, the fact that prisons are so overcrowded, they're going to offer pop-up jail cells, which is sort of... Nice and kind of Islington-y. And I know. It, seems, it sounds a little bit like whenever they say pop-up, I always think it's like a balloon. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like a lovely, warm, cosy environment. Do you, do you remember when The Guardian had a pop-up cafe? Maybe The Guardian could have a pop-up prison. Yeah, lovely. The Sun has a war in the Middle East, fury and fear. Israel PM vowed to blitz monsters. Hamas block Gaza escape routes. Mm. Okay, Fergus, what do you have? I've got uh, the Daily Telegraph and the headline there is Israel vows to destroy Lebanon if war spreads. Uh, And there's also a big picture of England's win in the semi-final of the rugby, which we've established none of us care about. (laughs) (laughs) But many of you do. And good luck with that. Um, uh, The Daily Mail has uh, the police are coming for you if you glorify terrorism. Uh, next to a picture of Kate Middleton. <laughs> um, it's also got Madonna at the top. So what did Sarah Vine make of Madonna's very racy return at 65? 
Let's have a guess, shall we? I bet she disapproved. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder. And uh, the Daily Star is continuing with uh, the big story of October, uh, which is, of course, the uh, bedbugs uh, invasion. Is that what we're calling it? Mm. Uh, Sniffer dogs to hunt bedbugs, apparently. There's a cute picture, isn't there, of a Jack Russell? Of a Jack Russell dressed as Sherlock Holmes, but that's like, that doesn't work. Uh, Really? You think it's something? I think it's cute, man. Now, over the weekend, the papers didn't know whether to laugh or cry at yet more embarrassing revelations from the government in the ongoing COVID inquiry chaired by Baroness Hallett. Simon Case, the UK's most senior civil servant who was appointed to be the head of the civil service in September 2020, had some of his 2020 WhatsApp messages flashed up on a screen, imagine, and discussed at the inquiry on Friday. It must have been absolutely mortifying. But Rob, what did these lovely text messages say? Oh, this just brings me so much joy in this <laughs> troubled world. Um, I'd like to take listeners back to the admittedly not happy at the time, uh, time of around October 2020. We don't have the precise dates of these uh, messages, but we can sort of figure it out. And Simon Case has just arrived uh, in number 10, is in a WhatsApp chat with Lee Kane. And Dominic Cummings, everyone knows who Dominic Cummings is. Lee Kane is the sort of the... He was a communications person, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, I mean, he's for completists in your number 10 uh, fan set. And uh, the message begins from Case, I'm not sure I can cope with today. Might just go home. Well, that's nice. Um, Nice to hear. (laughs) Matt Hancock just called, um, having spoken to PM, according to Matt, so aim off, obvs, which basically means... I don't trust anything that Matt Hancock tells me. Yep. Which, I mean, you know, Simon Case, not all wrong about everything. Basically, they're having a change, of course, again. And actually, if you if you recall October 2020, this was a period where the COVID policy changed literally every fortnight. Yeah. Um, and I think we were in the rule of six stage at this point, but we weren't yet at circuit breakers. I mean, basically, what's fantastic about this is what comes next. Lee Kane says, what WTF are we talking about? What the fooey are we talking about? He says... And Simon Kay says, whatever Carrie cares about, I suppose. Mm. We look like a terrible, tragic joke, which I, I was sketching at the time, can, can confirm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, it's just it's just magnificent, insidery, gossipy. I mean, the, the, the weird thing about this is, is, is that when you're doing journalism, there's all this pressure. Can we get the inside account? What's really going on inside? And now we get what's really going on inside. And it turns out that even if you had no inside information, and you thought, oh, look, it's just completely chaotic and they're, they're trimming with the wind and they don't know what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah, you were right. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there's also this amazing bit where uh, Simon Case says to uh, Lee Cummings and... Uh, no, Lee Cummings is not Lee Cummings, but let's just have Lee Cummings. That's, <laughs> so that's Dominic Cummings and Lee Kane. <laughs> Cummings and Kane. <laughs> he says to Cummings and Kane that um, he was always told that, that basically Dominic Cummings was the secret PM. How wrong they were. I look forward to telling the select committee tomorrow, oh, the real person in charge is Carrie. And then Dominic Cummings goes, so true. <laughs> so it's not him at all. It's Carrie Johnson. I am quite into this idea of Carrie Johnson. Like, issuing diktats from the ABBA wing. (laughs) I quite like this idea, but obviously it's not very good for government, is it? It's not. But, I mean, it was such a difficult period for all of us. It's sort of been a race for our minds now, but that was a mental couple of years there Mm. where all this was going on. It feels like this is our present for having gone through that. Do you know what I mean? The the COVID inquiry 
it feels very unlikely that it will result in any real sort of learnings. Learnings, yeah. There's <laughs> nothing good will come of it. This is it. This yeah. is you'll get they, what you're they, given. Uh, you will get the WhatsApps. You'll get the the gossip. It's so funny that I guess at this stage they knew that emails would eventually be read, right? People, there was an yeah. understanding that that's a part of the public record eventually, right? Yeah. yeah. But it, it obviously not occurred to anyone that they might one day ask for the WhatsApps. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know where they're talking now. I presume no, because they have to keep talking. They have to keep gossiping. There is a human need for gossip. Where are they talking this shit right now? Because now Telegram. That no? Telegram, well, I, maybe just air, the Airbnb. Messaging. Well, a lot of a lot of a lot of number ten people have turned on disappearing messages in. Yeah. Um, uh, they do not Snapchat, aren't they? Yeah. Well, I I just, I remember right at the start of COVID, before we knew how serious necessarily it was. I remember looking over the shoulder of the PM's previous director of communications at his phone because he was looking at his phone, and and I saw that there was a. COVID WhatsApp group. In fact, there were clearly several because this one was called COVID Plus or something. Mm. And, this is amazing insider yeah, information. Yeah. And and you're just sitting there thinking, and, and the first thing I thought was, oh boy, these guys are so serious about this that they have set up a, a WhatsApp group, which <laughs> sort of now in retrospect <laughs> seems like the minimum they could do. But in in in, a, in a January or February 2020, that was like, I, that was that was me going back and saying, this is a big deal, guys. This is whatever this this thing is because they're yeah they're worried about they've, it. they've whatsapped it yeah they've literally whatsapped it they thought that you thought they might just be doing like somebody's party but like you know no no they've whatsapped about but, but but it's also the thing about whatsapps is is this conversations that would normally take place in a corridor in a pub or something or is this formal government business mm. and nobody and we wouldn't expect this stuff to make its way to the national archives but because, helpfully, because Dominic Cummings revealed the existence of all of these things, the inquiry basically knows to ask for them. And then there's there's all of these people who unfortunately dropped their phones in the, the North Sea or yeah. wiped it or given it to their children or run it over with a steamroller, you know, <laughs> and this kind of... But even then, of course, this is the problem with trying to get rid of your compromising WhatsApps, um, is that other people have got them as well. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of mad delete for everyone going on at the moment. Yeah, I imagine. It isn't just a text that people send. They'll send, like, GIFs and stuff. Yeah, and photos. How is that being transcribed? Like, are, they just, <laughs> are they, like, descriptions the of the... cry emoji? <laughs> <laughs> Little dancing bears. <laughs> Taps forehead GIF. <laughs> Speaking of dancing folks, I think we should mention the Jingle and Mingle Party, one of our faves, which took place on the 14th of December 2020 at Tory HQ because something's happened about that now, hasn't it? Uh, yes. If you're struggling to remember which party that was, <laughs> just think uh, twirling jumper. Um, yeah, there's been uh, finally, I don't understand how this has not happened yet, but there's been a load of fines issued. Yeah, is that 20, right? 24, the Met has issued 24 fines. And the answer to why, how this has taken so long is that although we've had all of these inquiries, we've had the Met inquiry, we've had the Sue Gray inquiry, we've, it, what you've got to understand about all of these inquiries is that they are all finding the bare minimum that they can find. So Sue Gray's findings are are literally... She, she did not turn over any rocks that she was not forced to turn over because the Guardian and the Mirror had already turned them over. Or the ITN, sorry, the other, the other people who were breaking all these stories. Yeah. And, and in the same way, the Met sort of looked at the jingle and mingle. They looked at the still photos and they said, oh, it's just impossible to prove that this wasn't a work meeting of people lying down <laughs> surrounded by food. Um, 
And, and then, why though? But why are they being so like pathetic about it? I have to say, in this case, the journalists were better. The Mirror exposed it. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. Because ultimately, we're Britain. With it's, it's they, 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 they don't. The last thing they want to do is start finding people in government. I mean, they're really the last thing. <laughs> um, there was an interesting piece in the Times this weekend, wasn't there? About <laughs> um, <laughs> another one of Boris's wives, uh, Marina Wheeler. Um, she's decided to work for the Labour Party, okay, and she was married to Boris Johnson for 27 years. Yes. She's very much his, uh, uh, not his starter wife. I think she the idea was that she was going to be the perma wife, mm. but then um, she finally had enough around the time, around the arrival of Carrie, who is... Now his third wife. Yeah, but... he was really shocked when she asked him for a divorce, apparently. Um, yeah. yeah, they they were married for twenty seven years. They separated in twenty eighteen, and she divorced him. There has there's a very interesting quote from a friend. Um, friend, I love that. Um, <laughs> if Boris and Marina had stayed together, there would never have been all that nonsense when he was at Downing Street. So we wouldn't have had the parties, and there wouldn't have been dictacs from the Abba Wing. It would have just been all fine because she was quite sensible. I mean, actually, I do think that's true. Um, I, there was there's always this line with with. Boris, that the problem was that what he needed was new advisors, and every so often they'd say, "Oh, well, you know, the problem is Cummings." Mm. Actually, the problem was that what he needed was an old wife. Why? Because to be to, being prime minister is a really, really, really hard, intense job. Even when Boris is doing it, there's a lot to it. And in that kind of role, I think you need a life partner who can just take everything off you, be supportive, be your sounding board. Ideally, really, you want to be doing this when your children are older, you know, you, because because having small children is also a pretty intense job. Mm. And you sort of just you just need someone who is going to just take everything away from you. The best will in the world. I don't think that that's who Carrie was. And that's not. And, you know, she was a political player in a way that. Uh, Marina never was. What you're saying is women need to shut up and do the kitchen. <laughs> no, well, no, 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 I don't. Because I, 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 I think uh, Philip May is an example of an ideal prime ministerial spouse. He was politically in, engaged behind the scenes in various ways, but fundamentally he did not see himself as a player. He saw himself as somebody who supported I, I don't. I, sorry, it's not, I wasn't. It wasn't a sorry. real accusation. I just, <laughs> I just saw a joke and went. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. 
Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice, though, they really mean flavor. Like in-your-face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi Strawberry slid right into my Taste Buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice. Anything but subtle. Now, there's a story in The Times and The Telegraph today about AI in schools. It says that experts in science and technology are teaming up with schools to help mitigate risks posed to education by AI, such as like cheating in exams and too much influence on schools from global tech companies. This all sounds reasonable, I think. But there was another story (laughs) about AI in schools in The Telegraph over the weekend, which was a little odder. Fergus, what was that story? Yes, it's this. I can't remember the name of it. I don't have the piece in front of me. But it's called Cottesmere. Okay, it's a it's a boarding prep school somewhere in England that charges thirty thousand pounds a year mm. for its people to go there for students to go there, and um, the headmaster there has decided to employ as deputy head an AI w- woman, <laughs> whatever that means, <laughs> and then he's got another AI advisor. It's a mental story. I mean. It's completely mad. If you're spending 30 grand a year to send your kid off to school, like you would hope for better than like basically a self-service checkout (laughs) to to, to be looking after. They're like... Unexpected item in teaching area. I find this AI thing so confusing at this stage. I'm sure, I believe that I'm sure at some point it is going to take over our lives. It is going to be amazing. But at the moment... It feels like Emperor's New Clothes. They just keep on going, like, oh, we've got an AI doing this. And every time you actually see AI or speak to an AI chatbot or whatever... Yeah, they're not that good, are they? It's really crap. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, what's quite sad about this story is that the head, who is called Tom Rogerson... um, His quotes kind of made me weep for him a little bit. So he just said, look, it's nice having someone or something there to help you. It's very calming. It's nice to think that somebody who's unbelievably well-trained is there to help you make decisions. Being a school leader, a headmaster, is a very lonely job. (laughs) Just having somebody or something on tap that can help you in this lonely place is very reassuring. So, I mean, it's slightly sad, but also a bit creepy, if you ask me. I mean, it does seem a little creepy. all, all of these AIs that we're getting very excited at the moment, the generative what's-its, uh, it's, a, it's a form of artificial intelligence. Um, sorry, the AI nerd is checking in. But, um, <laughs> but it's not... This, fundamentally, this thing hasn't actually been trained to help him be a head teacher. What these large language learning models do is... They can predict the next word that ought to come in a sentence. It's like if you were Googling, you know, how do I deal with this workplace issue? And you'd read 50 articles and you'd sort of think, okay, the consensus seems to be X. It can sort of save save you that. Yeah, she's Mrs. Google. It's like yeah. going to Dr. Google, isn't it? This is like like deputy head Google. Yeah, it doesn't actually have it. it does, what it doesn't have is a model of the world in the way that a human has a model of the world. Do you think this sounds like a pitch for a kind of CBBC series? <laughs> yeah, it does. Robot Headmaster in head. <laughs> but then there's the piece in the Times, isn't there, about the uh, new commission or whatever yeah. that's going to sort out... They're basically heading off the idea that children will be able to cheat on everything because of AI. And it's just a long piece about 
we're going to have a good old think about this, about how we can stop this. And it's all a load of quite um, very respectable, but quite old men. <laughs> Like, <laughs> like Anthony Seldon and um, mm. Lord, Putnam. Lord Putnam. And all this time, it's just going to be them trying to find their logins. Or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> what is my password? Yeah, I mean, at the moment, right, the thing is actually the sort of its own caution against using it to cheat because you can get it to write a, an 800-word essay for you, but you don't know which bits of that essay are just going to be wrong. And we all, we've all searched for stuff in ChatGPT and thought, that's just wrong. wrong. Um, so that is sort of self-exposing. Yeah. At some point, that will probably be fixed. Now, as we all know, Papercuts loves a gold medal headline, and we know you do too, which is why every week we bring you our Fix the Headline competition. On Friday, we gave you a story from The Sun about a 107-year-old woman who's credited tea with the secret to her long life. The Sun's headline was... Brew wants to live forever, which was a bit rubbish. We knew you could do better and you did not let us down. On X, Richard Smith gave it a good try with charmed life and then had another go <laughs> with sea long life. Stephen Bowden gave us from here to eternity. Paul tried with PG life tips and Sophia with the fountain of Bruce, <laughs> which I really like. <laughs> On threads, Rooch84 gave us Leaf Forever, also excellent, and Woolridge P187, Long Leaf Tips. But the winner is Adam Butterworth with Immortality. (laughs) Well done, Adam. Get in touch with your size and your address and you'll soon be swanning about in an exclusive Paper Cuts t-shirt. That's T. Do you see what I did there? (laughs) And what about in the papers today then? Are there any headlines to be Adams? It looks like a big day for the sun. Fergus, what do you have? Uh, Yes, here's a headline from the sun. Uh, There's a story that it got cold over the weekend. There was an Arctic blast and their headline is Arctic Brass Monkeys. Very good. good. Pop reference. In it, and then in the Daily Star, Brian Blessed has been recounting a conversation that he had with the Dalai Lama in the early 90s uh, about sex. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, the headline is Brian's Lama Drama over Dalai Ding Dong. That's amazing. There should be an award for that. That is a big effort for Rama Lama Ding Dong, isn't it? (laughs) Rob, what do you have? I'm also in the sun. Um... (laughs) He loves it. <laughs> this is a great... We should just have led on this story. A great exclusive story that the police are hunting um, the crooks who stole 40 portable toilets. <laughs> and the headline is £40,000 Lou Dunnett. Very good. <laughs> well done, The Sun. That's a great story. Um, and as readers will know, I'm a massive fan of the soccer ball. And there's a very exciting story in The Sun about uh, Italy's new manager, Luciano Spalletti, and that's literally all I know about him. But the headline is... It's Spalletti Bolognese. Very good. (laughs) 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. In the Times, Richard Curtis is having a mea culpa moment, (laughs) saying at the Cheltenham Literary Festival that he was stupid and wrong, that's a quote, about many of his most famous films. Rob, what is going on here? So he has been interviewed by his daughter Scarlett, Mm. um, named after one of his characters. In uh, in Four Weddings, weddings, right? In Four Weddings. Um, She is a podcaster of note. And I think she has essentially done the thing that 28-year-olds can do to their dads, which is say, Dad, what on earth were you thinking? Mm. So, for instance, um, how did you make a film about Notting Hill with entirely white cast? You know, and uh, why is everyone in uh, Four Weddings so posh? Basically, she's. I don't know whether they've had this conversation in private, but they've now had this conversation in public. Yeah. Uh, and he's sort of said, yes, well, OK, I wouldn't have made all the fat jokes and... There's there's some discussion about Bridget Jones, although I that's slightly tricky because I sort of the the fat jokes the, well the, the Bridget's obsession with Bridget's weight is in the Bridget Jones book. It's a major theme, and it's obviously sort of it's a, true to how lots of young women feel. And there was a, one of the things she said I did think was quite astute. The two, I mean, you know, because we can all notice the fact that there's lots of fat jokes and there's no um, kind of black people in Notting Hill. But what what she did say was that there's multiple accounts of inappropriate boss behaviour in Love Actually, which is very true, mm. including the Prime Minister. And also, this is the thing that I really always dislike about Richard Curtis's oeuvre is that the general idea that women are visions of unattainable loveliness and men and men must you know I don't know kind of prostate themselves or you know it's women it's it's, it's terrible it's that women are as it were are a sort of computer game to be worked through yeah Yeah. but I, I suppose the thing is that slightly I think that that is how men of Curtis's generation probably saw the world. I mean, he's but, a but little depends. bit older than me. Do you not think me. that's just him, though? I mean, really, there's a lot of men that never thought like that because they realise that, surprise, surprise, women are actually human beings. I think he's <laughs> part of a generation and a section of society that didn't meet a woman until they were 18. That's probably I mean? very he, true, yeah, right, yeah. He's yeah. that type, right? I, I enjoy his films, like, well... The sort of two, I would call them the two classics, Four Weddings yeah. Yeah. and Notting Hill. I really like those films. Yeah, I think you funny. can... Yeah, you can criticise. I think comedy generally just doesn't age very well in terms of like uh, political correctness or whatever. Mm. It's usually yeah. If you watch Airplane, it's a disaster. I tried to watch Airplane with my kids. Oh I my was god, wondering about that is that a mistake? <laughs> <laughs> they just walked out and said, "This is awful." It's still funny though. I know. I thought it was funny. It's still <laughs> so but very yeah, bad. My kids, my kids, we'd we'd watch Police Squad, Police Squad, and Naked Gun sort of stand up still. Yeah. But, but you yeah. know, I think his films are very. For some of them are very funny. But it is it is just that era. So what he said was, look, I came from an undiverse school, a bunch of university friends, yeah, the same thing. And they just didn't look outwards in the way that, you know. He also said that, that Four Weddings, which I think is, the is, is, you know, that's the first one, that's the most personal one in lots of ways. And he said that is based entirely on his 
on on his life experiences. And if you look at, I mean, when I was, I think I probably saw that when I was 19 or 20 or something. And I thought, gosh, is this what adult life and weddings are like? And then, you know, now I know only very niche section of society was ever going yeah. to weddings like this and, you yeah, know, and staying wedding, in castles. And, anything yeah. like that. Um, so he, I think he probably, I know this is what he says, basically. He had a fairly sort of rarefied upbringing and he doesn't quite say this, but clearly didn't know any black people. Yeah, um, well, he didn't know anyone apart from the same person over and over. I saw yeah. Rye Lane recently. Oh, yeah, it's great. Which is a new rom-com. I love It came out this year. And I think it's the Britain's first ever non-posh rom-com. rom-com. Yeah, gosh. Yeah, it's a it good film. Be. Yeah, it's brilliant. And that's the end of today's Paper Cuts. Thanks to Rob. Thank you. Thanks to Fergus. Thank you. Remember, we'd love your support so we can continue to bring paper cuts to you every single weekday. We are 100% independent and backer-free, so all your contributions are hugely welcome. You can send us beer. It's nice. (laughs) So why not chip in? £3 a month means you get every episode without adverts. Support us with a little more, and you can enjoy an extra special story or two at the end of each episode, plus a unique opportunity to show off the highly exclusive Papercuts t-shirt whilst flaunting a Papercut mug. Follow the show notes to back.papercutshow.com, that's B-A-C-K dot papercutshow, two S's in there, dot com, to find out more. Our supporters get a shout-out on the show, and here are three now. Rob. Hello, and thanks very much to Stephanie Morgan. Fergus. Hello, thank you to Chris Harrison. And me. Hi, and thanks a lot to Katie Allen. I've been Miranda Sawyer, and you've been listening to Paper Cuts on a day when The Guardian reveals that Japan Airlines was forced to lay on an extra plane to fly to a sports festival because the sumo wrestlers on the existing flights had made the planes too heavy. No Richard Curtis jokes here. (laughs) See you tomorrow. Paper Cuts was written and presented by Miranda Sawyer. Rob Hutton and Fergus Craig. Producer is Liam Tate, with assistance from Adam Wright. An audio production by me, Robin Lieber. Music by Simon Williams, socials by Jess Harpin, designed by Jim Parrott, and original art by Modern Toss. Managing editor is Jacob Jarvis, group editor Andrew Harrison, and executive producer Martin Boytosh. Papercuts is a Podmasters production. <laughs>